Hey, mother effing listeners. This is a very special review we got going on today. I actually have Bobby with me, my husband. Hello. And we are going to talk about the movie Shazam. Now, Patty is not with me today to talk about this movie because it is a movie that's not appropriate for her kids. I, I would agree with that. First tip is do not take any child under the age of 10 to see this movie. Our kids are 10, 12, and 13. They are used to kind of movies with a little bit of violence, a little bit of action. They watch a lot of the Marvel films. So they are definitely in the right age category for this. Yeah, I would say that if you were to compare Shazam to a typical Marvel movie, Marvel movie violence is so, sort of leaning on comic mischief. There's no there's no gore. There's nothing. There was no gore in Shazam either, but there was a little bit of uh, an element of terror in the in the type of violence they portrayed. So definitely keep your younger kids uh, away from this movie. Yeah, you should know the director for this film tends to direct horror films, and that comes across in the actual film. Now, before we go into details and some spoilers, the first thing I want to say is I highly recommend this film for kids who are ready for this kind of intensity. It's a great movie, and it's a very simply told story, which is always a good sign for me with, with uh, comic book superhero type movies. It does not go into a lot of subplots and complicated plot twists. It's easy to follow, and it's it's a good story. So with that, if you don't want to hear spoilers, please come back and visit us after you've watched the movie. We're going to talk about spoilers of the film now and talking points for kids who are in foster care or adopted. So the movie starts off pretty simply. Uh, we're in a car with two sons and a dad. The youngest son is kind of picked on by both the dad and the older brother, and he's got a magic eight ball. And the magic eight ball transports him to this magical world where he meets a wizard. Yes, and the wizard has, has is the last of his kind. There were seven, and he needs to transfer his powers to a person that is befitting of the role. A, pure, a person pure of heart and uh, unable to, uh, to do anything evil. And of course, what we're witnessing is the origin story of the villain in the movie. Yes, and there are statues that represent each of the seven deadly sins. And they tempt him, and because of their tempting, he is deemed not pure of heart and is unable to uh, become the champion. So you flash forward to the future, to present day, and what we see is our, our main hero, Billy Batson. And Billy Batson is trying to find his birth mother. Yes, he is a foster kid, and he has run away for the last time, and they're about to put him in a group home with a whole bunch of other kids. There's five other kids, and each one is kind of on the nose, is represents something. There's an Asian kid, there's a, an African-American kid, there's a Hispanic kid, there's a disabled kid. You get one of everything at least. You know, a couple girls thrown in as well. So there's some box to mark off for anybody seeing this film of somebody who in some way represents them. What's important to note in this that I thought was interesting is Billy Baston goes to the house of what he perceives to be his birth mom, and it's beautiful, well-kept, cheery, and when the door opens, it's obvious not his birth mother. So that's kind of in line with what a lot of foster or adopt kids go through, that hero worship, where they believe their birth parent, you know, really is doing well, wants them back. You know, everything is going to be great and fine and dandy. And it's going to be this wonderful reunion story. So to kind of see it right up front where it falls apart is really interesting. And just to note, it's going to play out further on in the movie when he finally does meet his birth mom. 
and she's living in a really crowded sort of tenement housing. And she's got a new partner. She's not even with his dad anymore. And it turns out she's not put together. She's kind of struggling in life and was struggling with him, which is why she abandoned him one day at a fairground. So when we saw this film and that scene came up, some interesting things happened in the movie theater, didn't it? Where they were not phased by the violence and all the action, they they were a little bit phased, I would say, by the whole adoption or foster care substory. In fact, the only part in the movie that elicited any reaction from my son was in the scene where Billy is uh, meeting his birth mom for the first time and she turns him away. He turned to me, grabbed my arm, and said, this is sad, and uh, proceeded to kind of sulk into my shoulder. I talked to the kids individually afterwards about what they thought about the film and that scene in particular, and each one of them sort of had a reaction where they said it reminded them of their birth mom. So be aware that that is a very triggering moment in the film. Other triggering moments, I think, for the kids was definitely the bullying. There are two teenage bullies who are pretty rough. They hit one kid with a car. I mean, it's it's pretty violent. Yeah, and you know, I will say the strengths of this movie are also its weaknesses. As a comic book movie, the strengths are the characters are exaggerated. They're, they're easy to understand who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. They're literally comic book versions of people. That, that's the negative because they've chosen to tackle a pretty complicated subject matter, children in general, and then also foster uh, care. And with that type of thing, it's a lot more nuanced. And they do take kind of the easy way out on a lot of these plot lines by just exaggerating the characters. So I'll say if you're looking for a nuanced movie about foster uh, adoption, it's not. this is not it. But it is a solid uh, superhero action movie. There are definitely benefits to the foster story though what i really liked is the parents of this group home the husband and wife they are former foster children themselves which is how they relate to these kids and i think it's important for kids to see hey there are foster youth that manage to grow up become successful adults and you know go on and are able to take care of other children underneath them uh, I did love that their house is literally looking like a shithole. There's like holes in the wall. There's trash everywhere. It's a gorgeous looking house if they took care of it. But yeah, it's... that's that's the one thing that bugged me. Like they call it a shithole and it does have like the set dressing makes it look a little dilapidated. But this is a humongous, gorgeous house with like wood paneling and Victorian furniture and all this stuff. And it's like, what's going on here? These guys have a giant house. Uh, not Not what you'd expect a foster family to be living in. But it was nice to see a messy house. It was nice to see, especially if you saw Instant Family, they do hint at the mess every once in a while, but the house looked pretty neat in every scene. This was a messy-looking lived-in house, which is very real to, I think, how most of us are. We don't have time to clean up everything. We don't have time to take all the marks off the wall. The actual villain ends up killing his brother and his father with these demons. Yeah, this villain, by the way, has the flimsiest motivation of any, any supervillain I've ever seen. I mean... Literally, the only motivation he has to be a villain is in the beginning of the movie, he's getting picked on by his older brother and his father. And then he's teleported into this uh, magical lair, which causes the distraction that causes the car accident. And then for the rest of the... And, and his father doesn't even die, by the way. His father is alive and well in a wheelchair, and his brother's alive and well. And for the rest of the movie, he's out to kill them. For what reason? I'm not really sure, but... Uh, you know, I think they could have built his backstory a little bit um, stronger. I think the idea is that he felt he was never good enough and that his 
father and his brother treated him like he wasn't good enough. Well, he's definitely not good enough for me to remember the actor's name because I keep confusing him for Stanley Tucci. <laughs> it's not Stanley Tucci. Another interesting aspect of the film is how they represented the demons that live inside kind of all of us. It's a little biblical in a way because it is the seven deadly sins. And I thought it was really interesting that the 14-year-old character, Billy, who becomes Shazam, uh, knows every single one of them and can list them off. I found that highly impressive. Really interesting um, effects on these de evil demons, too. They kind of reminded me of the gargoyles from Ghostbusters. They had like this kind of herky-jerky claymation movement to them, which I thought was an interesting choice given how realistic we can make things in uh, you know, CG now. So Billy is running away from those bullies. And he gets onto a subway and gets transported to the magical world. And basically, you're, you're kind of out of time. That's really what happened to the wizard. He's got to make somebody the champion. The villain has now succeeded in taking the orb and releasing all of the demons out into the world. So Billy becomes Shazam. And what's fun is he becomes Shazam and is easy to convince his foster brother who's obsessed with superheroes by the way, they live in a world where Batman and Superman are real. Yes, and we keep getting reminded of this throughout the movie, by the way. Boy, is this ever in the DC universe. Hey, remember <laughs> Aquaman? Hey, remember that there's Batman and Superman in this universe? They tell us about the other heroes a lot. Yes. And what happens, though, is a very cute sequence where, you know, when you suddenly now become a man, even though you're 14... You're going to do the things that 14-year-olds want to do as men. So they go to get beer. So there is alcohol consumption amongst children in this film. Good news, parents. They spit it out and think it's super gross. And they go back and buy a bunch of snacks like hot Cheetos and Red Bulls. Um, there is a visit to a strip club. You don't actually go it's a into gentleman's the strip club. club. A gentleman's club. You don't go into the strip club. There is no nudity in this film. There is no sex in this film. But there is a hint at what a gentleman's club is. And our youngest was like, what was that place he went to? <laughs> you see the outside with the neon lights and stuff, and they're coming out all, you know, kind of hazy-eyed. Yes. Later on in the film, he needs to get his fellow foster brothers and sisters to safety. So he has to go to the first place he can think of. And the first place he thinks of is this gentleman club again. And they go back there. And it's a very funny little callback. What's even funnier is our 10-year-old going, Mom, why would he think about a gentleman's club? Why would that be on his mind? <laughs> I think the movie does a really good job of putting you into the shoes of a 14-year-old boy. They really capture the gestalt of being that age. I would not know, <laughs> but I'm going to assume you're right there. So we have the repeat back. We're back at the fairground where Billy was abandoned or something similar to that fairground. And there's actually a nice callback to where his mom had popped some balloons and won a a compass for him instead of a stuffed tiger and he gives a stuffed tiger to a little girl to to calm her in the midst of all of this chaos going on and in there he realizes that he needs his brothers and sisters his fellow foster kids because they're a family and together they will become the new guardians for earth he tells them all to say the name shazam they do and they all become superheroes which is so, really nice as well so it's the classic we can't, I can't do this on my own. I need the help of all my friends. And hey, you are all superheroes too, ending. I think you're kind of downplaying the fact that he remembers the wizard saying, the brothers and my brothers and sisters. And in that moment, Billy accepts his situation of being in this foster home with these other kids as his family. I think that was what was kind of an important moment of the film. 
Yes, it's it's Billy realizing that he needs the help of his brothers and sisters and that he really belongs in this family and they are his family. And then it's also the other because up until that point, Billy's been acting kind of like a show off with his new body and his new super strength. And the other the other guys are all getting kind of sick of it. And so in this moment, it's their chance to really shine as well and realize that they, too, can be superheroes of parallel strength to 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 Shazam. By the way, his name's not Shazam. They go through a whole series of name options for him. I'm not sure what they settled on. It's not that they settled on anything. In the comics, his name was actually Captain Marvel. So we couldn't call him Captain Marvel when Captain Marvel came out in the same year. Right. So he just goes by Shazam at this point. <laughs> it's definitely a movie that's going to play a lot on the idea of building families through different relationships. So you see a biological family of a father and two sons that has fallen and broken apart, and the villain comes from that. And then you see the foster family who come together because they realize that their differences are unifying and working together makes them stronger as people. It's a really nice talking point about differences, about how we don't have to look alike to be a family, about how we all can bring special strengths. There's a great sequence where each of the kids has their own kind of very specific special power, and they work together to take down these um, the the demons, and it's it's a nice moment. What I thought was really nice at the end is when he has the final confrontation with the villain. He realizes only six of the demons have exited, and one is still in the villain's body, and that villain is Envy. And I think that's a nice talking point because our kids have expressed envy for not having a normal family life, for not having things that other kids have, for having to have a story that's harder and more difficult emotionally. And it gets to the core of the villain. He's hanging on to envy more than anything because he's jealous. He's jealous of, of Shazam. You know, he wanted to be that kid ever since his turn in the uh, temple, you know, but he failed the test. So clearly he's envious of, of the good guys. And, and that's a visual way to show that. So I think walking away from this film, what's really great are the, the very strong talking points of family. And family is not flesh and blood. It can be made up of many people from many different backgrounds and many different stories. And it's how we love each other and care for each other. It's how things like envy and wrath and, you know, sloth and gluttony can eat away at us and cause us to do terrible, hurtful things. I think that there's also a story to be said there about bullying and how we address bullies. You can't really address them just by sheer strength alone you have to also address it by bettering yourself as a person having confidence in yourself yeah and i agree with all of those points and i think i think it does all of that very well and it's a really great movie my only gripe is that if you're looking for a little bit of nuance in the story with the birth family you're not going to get it they really uh conveniently kind of wrap up the birth mom's story by just villainizing her from my experience, you know, you're trained as a foster parent to kind of be sympathetic to the birth family and understand them as people and understand their flaws and do everything you can to reconnect with them. And that's fine. In this movie, they just turned her into a villain by the end where she was just not interested and that was the end of that. And then and then Billy just sort of got over her in that moment and, and was resolved to just, uh, you know, live a life without her. If you're ready for a little bit of action and fun, go ahead and check out Shazam. Again, I do not think this film is appropriate for children under the age of 10 and over the age of 10. Just make sure they're going to be okay with seeing some pretty intense violent sequences.
And as I said before, there is no sex in this film. There is a hint at nudity, but they don't show anything. There is some profanity in the film. Uh, but otherwise, I think it's it's okay. If you, your kid is age appropriate and is ready to see that kind of stuff, it's a good film that has some good talking points about what makes a family. Yeah, I recommend it. And it's a funny film too. Tune in every week to the Mother Effin' Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>